You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 10, episode 18. Um, F-Bomb John, just to t- distinguish myself between Good John, who's been doing the, the other podcasts, the features. So most recently one was with Ali Graham, the lower league preview. So have a listen. If you've not already, we'll talk about the predictions that some of us have made as well as we go through the podcast. So I'm joined again by Scott from the Footy Blog Net. How you doing, Scott? I'm good, thank you, yeah. And Tony, how you doing? I'm doing grand, thank you. How are you keeping me? Aye, doing all right, doing all right. Uh, we were hoping to have Ian on again this week, but he can't make it, unfortunately, so he will be back next month for a, a, a playoff preview for yeah. Scotland. I know. <laughs> so, aye, uh, but obviously all excited about that. Um, so we'll go back to last week. The We were excited, pretty positive, I think, it's all because we were on some crazy drinks, especially Tony, where you're... Juice. Yeah, well, it was making me think of like the good old days, uh, World Cup 90, 98. Yeah, happy I, memories. I thought you were going to say about drinking alcoholic drinks out of like dodgy cups and all that type of thing. Listen, I'm not that kind of person, John. Honestly. Yeah, you grew up in Paisley. <laughs> I'm classier than that now. I've moved on. Um, I don't even use plastic straws anymore. But yeah, we, we, we went through probably being really excited, then going through a bit of doom and gloom, then getting back up to being excited, and then we thought, right, let's move on to the subject we're speaking far too positively about Scotland. It's not right. So, situation with last week, it was looking good. There was maybe a couple of doubts for injuries, and then COVID suck. And we lost another three players due to it. So we had Armstrong testing positive, and then Tierney and Christy told they had to self-isolate because they'd been in close proximity, which then led to Arsenal not being too happy because they were saying that, well, Tierney's been adhering the social distancing, why does he have to isolate? And then he's going to miss their game against Man City, I think they play next. Yeah, Man City. Yeah. And then obviously, from a Scottish point of view, big game of the weekend, top two, Christy will miss out for Celtic, who had already, already had the news... Hours before, or maybe day before. Day uh, before yeah. Edward. Yeah, um, and then since then, <laughs> there's now been Beaton and Elamid. Mm-hmm. Um, Israel have had to, well, I'm not, not saying withdraw from the match, but they've been no better playing Saturday year because of it. So, not great. Um, obviously, from health point of view and everyone like that, hoping everyone's all right. And Carson have a point. About Tierney, or is it just a case of no, no, that's I, I, need to go buy it. No, and I, I'll, t- I'll tell you the reason why because it'll have done via an, an investigation of what the players had done and everything else. You have to then go by what the health board tell you to do during a pandemic. Now Arsenal, see, and you know Celtic to a lesser extent seem to have a couple of different arguments. I think uh, at one stage they were talking about Tierney had it earlier in the year um, and he yeah, got the antibodies um, but the science isn't great on the antibody situation mm. so you can't go by that the second point was that he 
socially, you know, he was socially distant at all times, um, and he had adhered to the rules. The problem I find with Kieran Tierney particularly is if you look at the Open Goal podcast video on YouTube, he wasn't socially distant on that. And that was, you know, just after lockdown, it kind of hit, hit its worst. Um, so, you know, you've, so there's kind of three points there. One, that you always should go by what the health board tell you to do during the pandemic. Football shouldn't be any greater uh, than anything else for that. Secondly, he wasn't so socially distant before. And I forgot what my third, third point was there. <laughs> what are you um, drinking tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was Burger King just. Um, there, was a, there was a third point I can't now remember. It was the socially distant thing. There was, oh, the antibodies. Yeah, that's not, a, we've not got any science to back up the, the antibodies as yet, unfortunately. Aye, no, I agree. I just thought I'd, it's it's one of those ones. It's hope it's up for debate. It's interesting to hear points of view. Tony, you think much differently or much the no, same? No, I agree with the lads. I mean, just out of curiosity, have Arsenal got any players in the England squad? Um, yes, Saka. Saka. Yeah, Saka's there. And then um, were under 21s. There'll be others Ainsley, in other places. The, the reason why was there, but I think he maybe pulled out. The reason why I bring that up is because I don't remember Arsenal coming out and making any complaints when players in the England squad were like breaking COVID restrictions and everything and potentially could be passing, you know, I mean, or spreading um, COVID over to other players. Um, I would have uh, Abraham situation. Yeah, and the, the one before that as well, when they were over in Iceland. Yeah. Um, there was the, the two boys had done a, and I. Don't recall Arsenal making anything about that, but Tierney unfortunately has got it, and now that they seem to be kicking up a stink, I just think it's oh, it's little Scotland. We'll have a go at them. Um, we'll make something out of it. We'll show a cloud kind of thing, and just typical. It's typical of a big Premiership team thinking they can just run over the SFA and what have you. So I, I yeah, I, I don't take much heat in it. To it's be a, it's with you. I would one thing I would say is it probably is another new club versus international debate because what we are now seeing again is clubs saying should our players even be going on international duty just now? Because you slight, probably are seeing more cases when players do go away in international duty. And there's a slight say, correction that Tierney hasn't actually got it is um, oh, he's 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 self isolated because he's a bit Supposedly oh, too close to Stuart Armstrong, so just before. Ah, right, okay. I, th- I thought you thought it, but um, I, I, again, I, I just think it's. I mean, the whole thing with should players that to me that's a UEFA FIFA thing. To be honest with you, UEFA FIFA need to decide what well, that what well, you can show internationals if if it's get worse and you know players coming back either being positive or not, but. It's all about money. Yeah, it's, it's all about the money. That, that, that's why they won't cancel. But in the same side, these club teams can't moan about it because they're in the same industry trying to make money. And, so and, take and, and, and that's how the, their players get high wages and become big assets because they're international players. And it's slightly tough for Celtic as well to kind of debate, like, the, especially between um, Edward and um, Christy because Edward must have got it here mm. because he tested positive when he arrived in France so he's you know by the time he's 
score, it must have came from here. Um, Christie, obviously, it's different because he's he's not got it. He's the, the, but it's, it's nothing really to do with international football in that sense. You suppose he has come into a different bubble. Um, the Israel one, it does it does. But that's probably the main argument now would be, do you cancel international football? But as Tori says, if you cancel international football, then do you cancel European football? Do you, you know, where, does, where do we stop saying, right, OK, well, the pound's good here, but it's not good here. Do you know, where, where do we they say right, it's money for this, but not money for that? that, that that's the, the, the difficult one. I think you've no, had the feeling for a while that clubs would like international football stopped anyway. Yeah. Some of the big yeah. clubs. I mean, the only way they'll cancel it, in my opinion, is if it starts affecting one of the, the big five leagues, say for example, um, an international break happens and big name players can't play for, say, the big teams in the Premiership for some reason, just for talking sake, say they, they come back and there's COVID cases left, right and centre and the Premiership and maybe the Spanish League or something just can't field games because of it. That's when I think they may look at cancel international because they'll have the pressure for the top five leagues. Because the top five leagues, whether you like it or not, and I, I don't, have a hell of a big say in what goes on in football. They'll probably push it with UEFA and FIFA, and that's when something will probably more or less happen. Until that happens, then I think there'll be no changes. It'll, it'll just go on as we are at the minute. And it will have to probably spread through a national team as well. So it would have to go, say, England or Spain, as you say. Right, a big go through that, that national yeah. team and then obviously impact on the clubs that way. I mean, look at the Czech Republic. I mean, the Czech Republic, when we played them, literally were on like the fourth tier squad. Nothing was said about international football being cancelled. Nothing. It was just get on with it. Well, well, we'll play the game. If that happens again with like a Spain an Argentina, a Brazil, that's it. I'll tell you that right now. They'll, they'll look at the cancel because that's that's FIFA and UEFA's moneymaker, those big teams. And if they can't play in the international tournaments that they want them to play in, then they'll cancel international football. Yeah, we've obviously, as well, we've still got our own dom- domestic situation with Kamarnik, who mm. it was released last week. There were six players that tested positive. The whole team had to self-isolate. They then had to withdraw from the Falkirk match last week in the Betfred Cup. And going just now, there's debate as to whether they'll play their Betfred Cup this midweek. And they'd asked Livingston if they could postpone the uh, Premiership tie at the weekend, which was turned down by Livingston. What's the situation then with that then? Are we, are we... See, this is another frustration I've got because I think we've spoken about this quite a bit in the sense that there's no clear guidance as to what's happening with regards to if a team gets COVID, well, you know? what things we do know is that if you're, I suppose if you've got 13 players, you should be able to play the match. However, we spoke last week about the situation with Kamarnikas. Theirs are a bit different because they train, play, everything basically takes place at Rugby Park. The latest, from what I've heard, is that they only have five or six senior players that are available to play in the well, Betfred then... Cup match. And surely then the rest then, is going to be supplemented by under-18s. Well, that'd be postponed then, surely. Or, well, the Betfred least... Cup game, they're not sure on yet. The Betfred Cup game, I think, is going to get forfeited, right? If you listen to Alex Dyer talk about the Betfred Cup before, 
he was anxious about that because he didn't really want to see his team. They were getting continuously tested. And ironically, he didn't want to play a team that had not been tested. So I, I, I think that will be a forfeit that they will take and don't really care too much about um, in that sense. The league, that has to be down to the SPFL. If Kilmarnock can't field a proper team, then the SPFL have to step step in and postpone the game. You know, there has to be a decision from that side of things because we had how many Aberdeen games cancelled, a couple of Celtic games cancelled. Yeah. So, you it's know... one game that went ahead when they had no goalkeeper. That's the thing that baffles folk. Yeah, the better one didn't. And now yeah. it looks like Kamalik have had to ask another team rather than the SPFL making a ruling on it. Yeah, I suppose the uh, situation with Aberdeen and Celtic was they were they came out and said there was a clear breach of COVID rules. That's not been mentioned about Kamarnik, even though there's been speculation about but it. But but that shouldn't but that shouldn't that should only impact on punishment in terms of Aye. both those teams were then fined. That shouldn't imp- you shouldn't then give them a free game off. Which it's not the context, it's the effect. Yeah. So it, so it's like, well, they've broken the rules, yet they also got those games back, whereas St Mirren had to play theirs without mm-hmm. any keeper that they had in the summer, and now Kilmarnock look as if they're going to have to field a team against Livingston. It just seems very bizarre, and again, the SPFL haven't caught up with the situation and are just leaving it because they don't want to see too many games postponed but it's just becoming ridiculous. Yeah, I think as well, I read, is it Josh Doig got Hibs? I think he's tested positive and he's under 21 duty. Hibs are struggling for players, but that's partly due to the Betfred Cup getting played during the international fixtures, and they've got six or seven players away, so Hibs so are saying did, they're struggling for their team as well. So how did they have to play there? If they've got so many internationals, did they not have to... I think under the circumstances, you would... They would be not playing the game, but I think because of the whole pandemic and their concerns about fixtures getting played and when they can be played and potential rearranged dates. Well, this, this is why the League Cup, in my opinion, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be happening. You know, well, or you can just put it back to a, a knockout. Knockout, yeah. I yeah, on. Hmm. Maybe, or see what happens. You could certainly cancel last season's Scottish Cup semi finals and use that weekend. Um, you know, how could, can Livingston and uh, Kilmarnock not play that weekend? I think they would even say, I think Kilmarnock will maybe ask even for the game just to be postponed by 48 hours, I think. This is, this I, is, I don't know. I'd have to look ahead with, I'd have to look ahead with Fitz just to see when Livy playing it and different things like that. I don't think there's any. But you need to have leadership where somebody comes in and says, this is what's happening, rather than the two clubs having to try and negotiate something. Because that's always been successful in Scottish football. Leadership. Aye. <laughs> well. Yeah. It is, though. I mean, it's it is not so much of a, a joke. I mean, it's it's just it's disheartening when you see practically every league in all levels of Scottish football all looking for some sort of guidance or some sort of I don't know, I mean, just something to help them along. And and I know with, I'll probably talk about it later on with you with the, the West of Scotland League 
I mean, the amount of teams that have said they'll not be entering it because of the situation. And you've got problem in the Premier League. We haven't even really started the championship, the low leagues, really. Yeah, that, that's where it's really going to kick in, I think, for big problems. But just breaking news in the last 10 minutes or so, come on, like I've said, their tie will go ahead in the Betfred Cup. Right, okay. Um, but they, they playing under 17s or something? They've, said, they've, they've, they've basically said, come out and said that we've got five, what I said, we've got five first team players, we'll give it a go, uh, we'll play the cup tie, see what happens. So that's. And then that, that kind of makes their negotiation power for not playing the, the Livingston game slightly weaker, does it not? Well, I think now they maybe they've been forced into the situation that they feel, well, let's just play and. They don't minutes. want to forfeit another game because I suppose if they don't, if they were to forfeit, they'd pretty much build that cup. So maybe they think, well, let's play see what happens. So, Which other part of that agreement was uh, 60 minutes of goals? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who knows? Um, yeah, you've touched on the, the West of Scotland, and we could just mention it just now um, and discuss it. So breaking news is it probably the weekend um, speculation that 14 teams had voted to withdraw from the league. Um, it's turned out there's going to be nine that have withdrawn, but some pretty big names from my own team that I support, Auckland Talbot, which is the biggest team in the West of Scotland. Uh, like Pollock, who again, massive team. Kubnick, Glen Afton, Coburnley, so they're teams in the Premiership. You've then got your old local team, Arterley, mm-hmm. Peters Hill, um, Winton Rovers, or Jawson, and Whitlitz. The situation with Peters Hill will be a bit different, maybe, from some of the others. Is they'd asked for a run away fixtures to begin with because yeah, the not. complex that Peter's Hill play at is close just now because staff are in furlough and different things. But it was rejected. So that's supposedly why they pulled out, not for any other reasons. The statements we've seen from the likes of Comic and Talbot have made valid points that we've been speaking about and a lot of people are speaking about the lack of any of Tapper Shield and different things like that. Mm. And without fans and the income, it's still baffles me that so many clubs think they're going to somehow manage to play without fans and how they're going to finance everything I don't know and I think just general welfare of fans, if they really do get back, no plan of when fans get back and also the welfare of the players, officials, volunteers maybe you'd mentioned before Scott, obviously a lot of volunteers at these clubs are kind of people that are elderly and maybe under the higher risk category of the Covid yeah, so a, a certain um, committee members at clubs have been there for 40 odd years, probably, you know, 30 years. Um, and these people will do it for nothing, will put money into the club, will do the ironing, will make sure they welcome the away teams, also for everything imaginable, sell raffle tickets, whatever. Um, so if these people are doing essential work you can't expect them to come in every two weeks or even travel away whatever at this during a pandemic it, it makes no sense a club a lot of these clubs are um, reliant on their volunteers and it just seems reckless that they would then put these people's lives at risk for something that truly doesn't matter as much as life itself um and you know you see the restrictions that um, the central belt and ayrshire and Aaron have all kind of been put under um this week 
and it's that you know that's how serious these things are um, at the moment. And I just don't know at that level how they're going to kick on um, and have a season at all. You know, maybe it'd be a better thing just to cancel the season, and then if things are looking brighter by winter, uh, end of winter, uh, twenty one springtime, have some sort of nice big cup competition. Yeah, I think there's a lot. Yeah, there's other interesting points as well to make in the West of Scotland as well. Not just as there being teams withdrawing, but there's now been news released whereby the teams in the conferences below the Premiership are not going to have the chance of promotion. So, so what's the incentive for doing it? For well, them? there's that, which I think could that potentially impact on whether the season starts. I thought it might do, but. There's only been these nine clubs that have voted, and obviously four of them are, only four of them are from the conferences. So we'll see what happens. We've said it from the start. I can't see any way that all these games are going to get played anyway. Um, we're, so we're, we're going to start 24th October. The weather already is not getting too great. How many games will be postponed over the, the winter period? So say you're a conference team. Say you're a conference team, right? And you've somehow managed to get yourself a stream of some sort, right? Sorted out, which is going to cost you money. Right, are fans wanting to pay to watch that, knowing that whatever really happens won't actually mean anything in terms of it's not really a sporting competition because there's no promotion or relegation? I think a lot of them feel shafted anyway because the original plan was that all the teams were going to go on at one level and then be split into maybe four or five leagues and that obviously never happened. There was then the push for there to be the Premiership, um, which was almost close shop. You were basically getting your teams that were all took place last year and none of them were relegated. And then you had three teams from the old championship getting promoted to make up twenty. Um it was all it was all season. It was all yeah. rough anyway, I think, even before yeah. the pandemic. Um much as there'd been talks and speculation about this league getting created maybe over the last two years, but I do feel it was rushed. Maybe we're only seeing one side to it, but Surely they could have just postponed it by a season um, and played some kind of junior setup, even if it was maybe just doing what they do at the start of the season, where they do it regionalised, just play your local teams, do something like that for a season. And actually, if potentially fans would allow that the games would probably benefit the clubs more because you get local yeah. matches, more folk will go to them because it means a bit more. Um, so we'll see. I don't think all the clubs will play the full season I think there'll be I would expect unfortunately that there'll be players that will get COVID playing at that level and that doesn't just affect the, the football side of things it affects their livelihoods in terms of their normal week to week day to day job which we spoke about last week as well so we'll see what happens I think it's a story that's going to run and run the whole season um, and there'll be more arguments because there's been a lot of arguments with clubs saying oh why have you voted to withdraw and fight, fight? maybe most, most of that five clubs voted to withdraw well they've, they've got the rights to do that they've been given the option and it makes sense to me though I can understand as well teams want to play and get on with things as normal at the same time I think as I said before I think lives matter more and we have to be a bit more sensible in this situation um, I think the Scottish Government could be a lot stronger in this situation and come out with a proposal to help um, non-league football teams financially and with a kind of road 
roadmap to fans eventually coming in. Um, but again, there's a lack of leadership in, in that level as well, unfortunately. Yeah, the only thing I'd read earlier about finance is that SFA have taken out some kind of five million loan to try and combat losses from coronavirus, but I don't know if that's just affecting the SFA side of things in terms of Scotland and Astro team and everything like that, or if it is going to help out the other teams. I can only imagine with the SFA, they'll look after themselves first and not be the national teams. So that would be my look over it without actually seeing all the detail. So aye, it's it's fun in games there, but I mean that's only what a week in Saturday that's when I start because we had the Lowland League start the weekend there. And I've not seen any reports or any positive cases or that, which is a good thing. That's what you want, but I just think it's inevitable, unfortunately. Is there going to be no promotion or relegation for the top for the top tier? Should say. Well, the top tier their situation there there is potential for promotion with a playoff. I think it'll be a three bay playoff because you've got the west, you've got the east, and you've got the south. But obviously, as we've seen, the season just gone by with the pyramid playoff for the Lowland Thailand and to get into Division 2. That never happened because of pandemic. So who's to say the same things won't happen again this season with playoffs and different things like that. I still maintain the whole structure of Scottish football should have changed. It was a great chance to revolutionise Scottish football. Regionalise it below the top two tiers, which is something Chris and me have spoken about for years, we think. You should just have maybe 20, maybe 20 top teams in the League 1 and well, Premiership and say championship whatever you want to call it and then everything below that should be regionalised and you would see I would think you'd see better crowds and I think you'd see a better a better system in Scottish football but you, you can't sustain the amount of professional clubs I don't think in Scottish football and yet the SFA and their, their wisdom have decided let's add more professional clubs into the pot mm. we're, we're no capable of sustaining that no, we've not got the money for it either to be honest we've not got the, the, the money to keep all these clubs running and I think this crisis is practically shown where Scottish football's shortfalls are, and it doesn't look good to be honest with you. You know the, the way some clubs have been treated and the way some divisions have been treated. Um, it's it's just a mess. It, it really is. And whoever's going to sort it out, and I don't know how they're going to do it. It's it's not going to take a year or two years. I think somebody needs to come up with a. I hate to say it, but another like three or four year plan because. I, I, I will not be uh, this the mess that we're in now will not be sorted within one maybe even two seasons especially the law the law leagues I'm talking about yeah, I mean I think right, we've even discussed on here whether the, we've got the confidence that the Premiership will last the season mm. yeah uh, Scottish football is through full of backstreet cutthroats that will cut other teams off no no questions asked um, in terms of, you know, you look at how kind of everything went down with Hearts and Partick Thistle, league reconstruction, everything else. You look at, you know, the, the West of Scotland, how everything's going about there and things like that. It's nobody trusts anybody else. There's no, again, probably title the, the podcast this, but there's no leadership again anywhere. And... If something, you know, look at the Livingston command at the back we're talking about now, there's no leadership, everything's kind of a mess, and I've got no um, belief that that's get, anything will get sorted out properly, or even there'll be a long-term solution out there either. Yeah. I think no, nobody knows what's really happening 
in the background. I think there was a bit of an indication as to what was going on, or if there was like a long term plan, you know, like an idea or a bit of a But we're talking, we're talking about a leadership which has not, even before the pandemic um, arrived, did not have a, a sponsor for our top leagues. Mm. So if you can't sell that sponsorship before a pandemic, then what chance have we got now? The one thing I would maybe say about the football side of things in terms of our roadmap, the government can't come up to a roadmap at the moment. So to an extent, I would say the Scottish Football Association are probably feeding on the back of what the government are saying. So I'll maybe give them a slight... In terms of um, fans, there could still be a roadmap in terms of... Listen, I, I, I fully... Um, except the Scottish government have to lead on this. Uh, I, I did say that when, when I brought up the roadmap. But the, you could still have a roadmap in terms of um, with numbers relating to incidences of COVID. So when that comes down to a certain level, then you have fans coming into the grounds. I would start off with the the, the non-league or the sm- smaller kind of leagues in our kind of... Um, League One, League Two um, set up. So when, when infection rate hits a certain number, then we can allow these people to come in, and that's the kind of transparency, the kind of long-term thinking that football needs. Yeah. So it's yes, I, I'm not expecting somebody to say by December 31st we should have these people in. That's ridiculous at this moment in time, but there should be more now. With the season started, right, okay, well, if the infection rate goes back to under one, then we can have a certain amount of, say, 40% of fans into the stadium as long as they do A, B and C. It's, it's, it doesn't take a, a scientist to work it out. Mm. It, it takes a scientist to work out the R numbers and stuff like that, obviously, but not then when we can, what we can do to then push things forward. Yeah. On a more positive note, for those that are wanting to see football back at all league levels. It does start this weekend. So you get a big game Friday night, Hearts against Dundee, which is on BBC Scotland, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how things go because that's, from all of us, the predictions that were made, we've all got Hearts and Dundee in the top four. I think every one of us actually had Hearts as the, the winners of the league. Yeah. If you've got the three of us, you've got Ali and John that did the podcast, and you've got Chris and Craig. As well, so seven of us, we all had the same top four, I think. Even mm. we all no, had. I think there was. I think said, some people said Morton, others said Dunfermline. Ah, I, I put Morton. Oh, you put Morton, I. But you, you, you did admit you don't know much about the Euro league, so we'll let you. But I think it's shaming. But I think maybe did the rest of us all have Hearts than D and Van Esten Fairman as a top yeah, four? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Out with Tony. Um, <laughs> Sorry, nope. Tony. Morton could be alright. Well, I was going to say that, that, that it's probably going to be no get into it. It's always a tough league to predict. Um, I think the one thing, though, is we're a, a bit more familiar with the Championship and some of the other players yeah. than we are, League 1 and League 2. Um, even Ali Graham, who's played for 9 of the 30 teams in the lower leagues, <laughs> even admit it's tough, especially trying to predict League 1 and 2. League 1, most of us are going with Falkirk, hmm. Partick Thistle, the other ones. I know Scott, you went to Partick Thistle. I just think they've got a cross to bear. Um, Ian McCall knows how to get out of that league. 
good some good young players. Uh, Senna's a really good young midfielder. Hopefully he gets a few uh, games um, when the season kicks off. Um, so. Blair Spett was going back to them. Mm-hmm. Well. I think I seen Blair Spett was going on loan to Thistle back to, yeah, and back to them. Some, did somebody else come back? Wasn't Erskine, he went to his school bride. Uh, also saying Ricky Forster was a good signing at that level. You would yeah, Ricky Forster, really he'll probably help it in the coaching side of the margin. Or so, he's helping the women's coach, remember? Yeah, that's it. There's, there's a few of them have gone and helped out the women's side of things. So... Yeah, listen, if Falkirk picked them, it wouldn't be the biggest surprise, but I, I do think Partick will have a cross to bear and try and go for the league title. Aye, I should have mentioned in terms of the championship, in terms of going down, I think, again, we all had Arloa in the bottom two, at least. I did, I had them bottom. Pretty sure that we all had them. Um, Cove? No, <laughs> going back to the championship. Oh, the championship, uh, aye, Arloa second bottom um, but that, apart from that, you've got a combination of likes of Ray Throvers, Queen of the South, I think, and a broth. Did you have a broth, I think, in the bottom two, Scott? Yes, I had a broth. A, a broth won't do as well as it did last year. It, 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 that was the, the kind of hardest one to kind of predict. I don't know if they can maintain it. Um, second season syndrome and all that. Um I, I, I wouldn't surprise me if they, if, if they did all right. Obviously, they've got a good manager there and stuff like that. I just kind of a, it's one of those kind of niggling hints that your brain gives you. Um, but I wouldn't go, it's not a scientific prediction, put it that way. No, no scientific prediction here, no. Um, in terms of League One, I cover Rangers, a wee bit of mixed bag. So some people have got to win the top four, I think Scott and yeah, me. Top four. Yeah, the top four. Whereas Tony, you've got them going down, and Arley's got them in the, the bottom two as well. I think Cove, I've seen them, and they've got a good setup. I think as well, players that they've got will still do well at league one level. You've got the likes of Mitch Meganson, who could easily still be playing championship football. I don't have any reason to think his goals will dry up. Fraser Five is still there, who again could be playing at a much higher level. I just think they've got a good good squad. And even when I looked at that that league and seen who's come in and come out, players that I maybe do know. I think Cove will have a, good, a decent chance of the... I'd say uh, from Cove, from what I know, what I've seen is that they're very ambitious they are, throughout yeah. the, the, the full club, you know, the whole side of things. Um, so that was why I kind of thought they would do well in that league again. If it makes you feel better, Tony, we had the, the lower the gets about Ali on and he's got him in the bottom two, so he knows he more about all of us. About League One and League Two. <laughs> the, the other thing, the other thing, I, I kind of had a, a suspicion with Cove is just carrying that season. You know, it, it's sometimes easier to keep on winning, um, and that's what I've thought on that instance. Um, aside from that, in the bottom two, and those combinations are Peterhead, um, Montrose, Clyde. Um, he's five. For to be honest, I think almost every team. Um, has been predicted to be in the bottom two just about in that league so that shows you how tough it is to predict and then league two Queen's Park are probably the one that I think that stands out a couple of people have got as winners a few people have got them in the playoffs as well for going up I suppose now they're a professional side as well so yeah, they've attracted Queens. better players what they signed uh, Simon Worry mine from Hibs yeah. I think it should be a terrific yeah. signing I would think at that level yeah, I, I think that, again, a lot of ambition. A, a manager who 
nosy stuff. Um, I'm sure a few Morton fans uh, might disagree with that. But um, for that level, I think I would like to think that they'll do well um, in their first year as professionals. Yeah. The other one that features a lot in the playoff watch, at least, is Edinburgh City, um, who did well last year and have done all right the last couple of seasons, so I think yeah, a chance of the playoffs. It's one of those teams that seem to always do well enough for the kind of playoff situation, so again, that's why I've kind of gone there, because they, 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 keep, they, see, they keep on knocking the door, so... Yeah, I'm trying to think back whether we did lower league production the last season or not, we definitely did Premiership productions and I did not bad on them, but uh, <clears throat> League 2, bottom team, most of us apologies to Albion Rovers fans, but we've got you, bottom. Uh, no, who did I go for again? Breaking. Uh, I, th- I think that was mainly because of the summer fiasco that I went with Breaking again. What was a summer fiasco? Did they not stay up without playing? Did they not make sure that the, do- the doors were shut? Was it them? Was it Breaking? Who finished bottom? Did they not finish in bottom? Could have done. To be honest, it was that long ago in terms of trying to think. What, you know, I apologise if, if it wasn't them. Um, I've totally. I think it was breaking the finish bomb because I remember looking at breaking. I had they not been relegated the season before as well from League One. Then they're going for back to back potential relegations, maybe. Never you say that. You would, you would think we'd have had Google, wouldn't you? Hi. Uh, <laughs> As we're all quickly searching. No, no. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. Um, yeah, they were bottom. Any... 17 points. Obviously, I live down south. Did STV show any championship or first division or second division highlights or anything? Because I know at one point they did. No. Uh, you get Alba do, uh, do games occasionally live. Sometimes they do delayed coverage. There's going to be championship games, though, isn't there, this time? On oh, Alba? No, is it a... Uh... Well, BBC Scotland have been doing championship yeah. games for the Friday past night, couple of seasons, because yeah. you've got Stephen Thompson and Leanne Kyan mm. doing that, so there's that. But in terms of highlights packages, no. Um, I think Scott's in negotiations with himself to try and come up with a highlights package and get himself going across the country, just get a wee snippets of different matches. Definitely yeah. a marker, right. I think. It, it, it should be centralised. They're all filming their own stuff. Just the SPFL should say, right, send us all your goal footage, anything that kind of interesting happened, and then put it online. It's put it on the one place. I don't, I don't understand why it's not that easily accessible for fans. Yeah, the only thing we do have that kind of comes close to any kind of highlights from the lower leagues really is the terrace and the stuff they do on the Friday nights. They yeah. try and cover as much of the lower league as possible, which is really good. Some really good features. I think that's due back this weekend as well, maybe. Friday. Yeah, I think, yeah, Friday. Um, it's so, a great, great TV show. Yeah, enjoy it. Um, so there's that. But yeah, the weekend starts for the, the lower league teams anyway, in terms of league action. Obviously, they've been the Betfred Cup. The big shock, or maybe it's not a shock because it's happened now the third time, was Arnon beating Hamilton 3 0. What 
Tony, you're asking questions here. I'm not checking. I'm not checking the team that they put out. To be fair, <laughs> um, I don't imagine Hamilton had that big a squad. I would still think whatever side they put out should have still had a decent chance of getting a result. But yeah, you know, it's the third time that Aaron have beaten uh, Hamilton in the Betfred Cup. So. I think sometimes you get some teams are just. I don't know what it is. It's just show a lack of interest in certain tournaments, and I think Hamlin probably have got that way. The, the main aim of the season is to stay up. No so matter what three, happens. So it was 3-1, and looking at the team, it, it's Templeton, Ogunpoe, Ottofen, um, Clachen. It's pretty much the first team. Hodgson, yeah. Gurley. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a mentality thing. I think. I think. Yeah, they're just. They're, they're, it's a tournament, but if they do well, they do well. And obviously, Annan have raised their game and played exceptional as well. You can't take that away from them. But I think for Hamilton, and if that, I mean, if you're saying that's three times in a row now, you know what I mean? That's 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 a mentality issue. Did Hamilton score late in that goal? I must have in that game. I I didn't see it was three. Um, yeah, I remember saying it was three 0 I've not probably not checked the score again. But no, that was so it was three 0 at half time, and then McMahon scored fifty one minutes. Oh well, there we go. It was not a late goal at all. Um, so <laughs> it was late goal. If it was uh, if you're talking about the first half. Well, aye. Yeah, you know, we forgot to mention as well. Dundee and Forfar ended up three 0 to Dundee because Forfar had to forfeit the game because of COVID as well. Did Charlie Adam get a hat trick? Perfect. Okay, <laughs> Who claims the goals? Who claims the goals? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, a striker. Who's a striker? Be claiming them. Um, Hearts beat Inverness, which was probably the, the the toughest tie to call, I think, on the night or the nights, I should say. Yeah, there's a red card in that game, I believe. Um, because there was a bit of controversy and a argument between Sutton and Stewart about the red card. They, they, they could argue over black <laughs> and white. To be fair. Uh, I don't think they, there's much uh, love lost between them. It's, do you know what? It's good entertainment because there's nothing worse than when you see co-commentators or panellists just agreeing. And you know, deep down, they're thinking, no, I don't agree with that, but I'm, I'm just going to agree. Exactly. But I don't mind that too much. Neither of them are scared to voice an opinion. Uh, Whereas you get some, and they'll no say things against their old clubs and different things like that. It'll just be, they'll no give you an insight. That you think you should get from it as professional footballers and stuff like that. So, I mean, but before we go into the actual Scotland game, um, what else we're talking about co commentators? Scotland game? It's good. Scotland games. Um, the James McFadden comment, just well, we're kind of on the same subject about Ollie McBurney, and that's the kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, he's just out there defending the player, sticking to the narrative. That it's McBurney's a good player and it's not McBurney's fault, the fans maybe are not taking to him. It's all the fans' fault. And that's the kind of thing that annoys me. Instead of saying, Well, I think it's because he hasn't shown anything at all, you know what I mean, to get the fans excited for him. And then obviously but the, the issue with them and the conversation they get caught down, you know. But that gets all swept aside, and straight away it's an anti-Rangers agenda and it's an anti-English agenda. And I just thought, for somebody for McFadden to say that, you know, and somebody who knows how the Tarnami can love you and how Scotland fans can even you know, take take somebody to the heart, I just thought it was banging order, to be honest. I think, what? I think, to be fair, I think James McFadden has made a, a point 
in the sense that there will be people who don't like him because he's got an English accent, play for Scotland. That has been the case for fans since I can remember. Um, Matt Elliott and a few other players have all been, you know, it kind of comes into that category. But it's so well different. There's a, there's a big melting pot when it comes to why Scotland fans don't take to McBurnley. Um, one of them is maybe because he's got an English accent, because he's such a veerant, Veerman Rangers fan because he hasn't scored a goal as a centre forward. His performances haven't been that great because he's been caught in the camera um, slagging it off pretty much. Yeah, there's quite so a lot of reasons that have been so we, to it and commitment has been called on I the- never knew he had an English accent until last week. If I'm being honest, I ne- ne- I'd never heard him do it like much. Um, but that, that, the that's the problem. That's the problem. While I say that he made a point, James McFadden, he didn't then clarify all the points. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, you have to be balanced and bring out all the points. And the biggest factor is will be his performances. If he scores a hat trick mm-hmm. against England, Scotland fans will love him. It's as simple as that. And he he's the only one that can change their minds on him by how he performs. And I think he actually performed well over these two games. I think that's probably been his best two games. Um, I think he had a hard time of it against Israel, as did um, Dykes, just because of the lack of service. Um, but they, when they got the ball, they were holding it up. They seemed to have a, a bit of a connection with each other. He, McBurnley then came on against Slovakia and did well. I, I think it was really lively. Um, so seemed he to enjoy himself as well at the end yeah. of the game when he was... When he was uh, shielding the ball for so long, he was having a real laugh and he seemed to be enjoying it. So, Which is what he, you know, his shithousery, for lack of a better term, that is his game. So he will thrive on that kind of... Th- but you can't do that if you're losing. So mm. that's prob- probably part of the, the, the problem with him in Scotland in terms of we don't see the proper player because we've not had that kind of triumph yet. Yeah, um, I would expect sorry to drop it no, going into the game against Israel as well. The plan would not have been to play two up front. Much as I called it last week in the podcast, the two up front was the way to go. But I would imagine if Chrissy had been playing, McBurney wouldn't have been playing. That would be my initial thinking. So I think for McBurney mm. potentially to come in so last minute ish in terms of preparation and do so well, I think was testament to him. And I th- I felt he did really well. I think he was a better than the two strikers. I thought McBurney was 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 good. Because he comes in well, deep, that's where he plays well. well. Two, which is where I think potentially we should keep going forward and try and play a two, whoever yeah. it is. Because Ryan Fraser was impressive as a two, even though he's not a natural striker. I felt he did the job really well in terms of running the channels and different things like that. But you'd rather have two natural strikers, from my point of view, playing in a in a three-five-two system. Before we go, before we go into the the two Scotland games that have just been, let's quickly delve into the next one. Do, if you're Steve Clark, because you play three games in a row, or you're, you're on your third game in a row, I think you might play McBurney from the start and drop Dykes, just because he doesn't want to play anybody really three games in a row. And then have oh, Fraser. this game coming? Yeah, so the Czech Republic game. Uh, I would think maybe there has potentially been some talks with clubs as well about yeah. we'll try and not play them in every game as well, I would think, which is I think is fair enough. Yeah. Um, it's not a normal situation to have three internationals in such quick succession. 
So I suspect we will see quite a few changes on Wednesday. Because you had Dykes playing the full 90 for both games. I know he came off in... Got subbed, didn't he? But I, was, it that, was that at the end? Was that was not the start late. of extra time? Oh, that game. Did he not come off yeah. early? No? Israel? I, I can't remember. It was late in the Israel game. I don't know if it was in, into extra time or not. We're, we're really good here, aren't we, tonight? <laughs> He, he definitely came. I remember him coming yeah, off. Yeah, see, in future, Scott, you need to send me these questions ahead, right? <laughs> so I can add them to the script. Um, I thought he came. He came off last night. I he came off. He came off last night because because you seen him coming down the stand at the end of the game. Yeah, and he had a big smile on his face. I like yeah. him. I just think we've said before he's got that. We I think a cheekiness swagger about him, and yeah, and already. In his few appearances, two goals already, which I think he's on 50% ratio, scoring ratio. Yep, two goals which in four is games. Fantastic. Did he not have the fifth penalty against Israel? No, he was off. He didn't, he didn't he? take a penalty yet. So he took the fifth? I definitely like him. McLean I, took the fifth. Yes. Oh, God, yeah, McLean. And folk it. talk about that as well in terms of like lack of penalty takers, but Kenny McLean took quite a few for Aberdeen. Has probably yeah. taken some for Norwich as well, and there's others there that maybe taking penalties for clubs, just not taking them for Scotland, which is a different situation. And we don't get lots of penalties. Let's well, that's it. a thing. Yeah. First time we've had a competitive <laughs> fixture, we've had a penalty shootout, I think. Yeah, I think it was the first one we've ever won. Did we oh, maybe? Oh, the only thing I can think is the Kieran Cup, but it was semi competitive, and obviously we get a trophy, so maybe we need to talk up. Did we have a penalty shootout in that? Oh, did we not win one? No, no. There was a couple of games. There was a few. We beat five. No, was it not somebody we absolutely humped five? No. Yeah, did we not beat Japan in the final or something? There was two games in the current cup. Yeah, it was Bulgaria and Japan. I'm sure we won Japan. Both games. I think we won both games. So, so I think, yeah, first of our penalty shootout. So we've got 100% record in penalties. And, oh, yeah, England. I know I was going to say, uh-huh. what's England's problem? I don't you know, know what their problems with penalties. I mean, it seems as if you just put it in a corner and score a goal. Um, but yeah, I think the two, up, I think two up front is. It, is it was, good. it was better. I think the second game with Fraser going from able to go wide more. I think that that caused a bit more kind of problems for the the, the opposition defence. Um, although I did like how. McBurney and Dykes kind of went deep, another one went forward. I just think we lacked width in the Israel game. Um, a lot to do, I suppose. Robertson was kind of in a battle with Dasa um, at Israel and just couldn't really get past him. Yeah, um, I'm impressed by Dasa. Yeah, but he did his job, but again, I thought Robertson, that was his best defensive performance for Scotland as well against Israel. So he never done anything going forward the same, you know, they kind of nullified each other, I felt. Yeah, there was some frustrating things with the Israel game in terms of, I don't think we learned that much in terms of they managed to nullify our fullbacks again, which they did last month to the same. And knowing that we had no other width in the team up further up meant you were not going to create much. Because even in the middle of the park, did we have anyone that was particularly creative? Not McGregor would be the most creative out of three, but would, but so yeah, yeah, Mc, yeah McGregor would have been the most attacking minded. And McGinn probably wasn't going as far forward because there was two central strikers there as well, so it was a bit. Um, I prefer McGinn bit coming from deep sense. anyway. 
it, like had deeper position in midfield. He can play further up, but I don't think it suits him as much. I think good he's thing, good making the light runs into the box and different things like that and getting beyond the striker. The good thing about those two games, I think we discussed coming into it, the Israel game was just high pressure and we just had to win it, whether it was penalties, whether it was a fluky own goal. Um, I would have preferred a, a McTominay header in the first half going in. Um, but we had to win that game and build, get confidence. And I think we saw that confidence already in the Slovakia game. And it's in those two games, I think the players now know the system a lot more than they did last month. And I think that's credit to Steve Clark and his team because we, Tomini looked a lot more assured. I slagged him off um, before these two games, but his positioning sense was far superior than it was and against Slovakia which it helps because they've only got one striker but against Slovakia he could come out of the back three and pass the balls about and back into midfield and whatever so I, th- I think that's another big bonus is that we've come out of these two games knowing that system a lot better than what we did and defensively in the two games we didn't give away many chances no defensively, yeah, really solid. I think Declan Gallagher deserves a lot of credit. A lot of people were saying he shouldn't have been in the team. Yeah, me I thought too. the I two that. games, he was he cleared everything. He won just about every header. He was he was really good. I think so. Yeah. Hats off to him. Um, and really Considine um, coming in um, with very little notice. Um, Great story. Yeah, fantastic, and it 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 deserved uh, all the plaudits because I think he did really really well. Um, was solid, committed, passionate, everything you'd want from a Scotland defender. Um, not just have we got a situation at left back but we've got a lot of good left backs all our good centre backs are left footed yeah it shouldn't, mm. shouldn't be a big thing but I just think for balance you like at least one right footed at least one left foot either way you, you want a bit of balance I think it helps but there you've got Ross McCrory in the squad so that could maybe be him for the next oh the he's not playing centre back <laughs> well field if McTominay's played centre half, then I think McCrory's probably a bit more suited to it. Yeah, he possibly is, but I think McTominay's probably get the nod just now anyway. I really think if everyone's fit, you but can that's, more way predict the. But for the, Czech, but for the Czech Republic game, if we're going to rotate and rest, then probably McTominay will come out. Oh yeah, I'm see, I'm thinking ahead. I'm thinking playoff now. Like I know. Oh, no, 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 playoff, playoff. Yeah, he's going to be um, back in there. Yeah, let's get let's temper some enthusiasm. Maybe, but uh, yeah, we've got the game obviously coming up. Um, other performances. Midfield, yeah. I think to be fair, the game against Israel, you could it was job done. I don't think you could say anyone played particularly well in terms of standout, but in terms of team performance, they got the job done. Yeah, we, we became professional performance defensively pretty solid. We became too deep for my liking in the Israel game, but again, it was so high pressured. It, they they needed to get that victory, so that's what happens. Um, I get a game for Israel as well. They're the biggest yeah. game apart from when they played Denmark in the playoffs. And so again, they, they didn't create too much, so I think that that has to go to our credit. Uh, but a lot better in terms of how we controlled the game against Slovakia. So, yeah, I, I'm delighted with both games, to be honest. Um, we got I don't think we'll we see pretty football. I don't think no. that's something we're going to see under Clark anyway. And most good teams, when they do well, they, they start from the back. You make yourselves hard to beat. Yeah, and he's doing. He's done that. Um. Okay. Oh. So. <laughs> oh, here comes a rant. Yeah. So I'm sadly going to be the 
uh, the, the prophet Adam um, and, and the one who has to spoil the party. Uh, typical um, Celtic fan. We can never be happy. Well, that's me. You know to be, to be um, fair, I did have some negatives, but I'm just trying, no, to, no, there I'm trying to keep a positive outlook here. But there I go for it. Go for, go for, for it, Tony Sutton. I could listen to you all day, honestly. One, Tony Sutton. Beautiful. One. <laughs> right. So, I'm not... I'm not, I'm not be warned, be warned. Interruption <laughs> here. Um, I, I forgot to ask you to start the podcast what we're all drinking. So, uh, I'm on the red wine. Um, it's going down nicely. Uh, Scott, what are you on? Uh, I've got a peach-infused beer. So, so Tony, what you got? Swanky. Shivish Regal, 12 years. Now I'm looking at that bottle. How, how filled was that bottle at the start of the podcast? <laughs> There's not much left there. Ah, well, I mean, that's how I like you to talk about all the positives. <laughs> um. <laughs> Here comes Reverend Diane Jolly. <laughs> right. I feel like Willie Miller. Honestly, I think me and Willie Miller have got this kind of, oh, this kind of sense and sensibility. And I hear him now on Radio Scotland, and I've never ever agreed with Willie Miller before. But nowadays, yeah, he, he seems to know he's stopped. I can accept the the good things that we won. We, we got the, the the two results that we needed, um, and we progressed through to the final. We're top of the Nations League. Happy days, fantastic. Seven game on beating run on paper looks great. However, when you start, well, I seen the other way. When, when, you, when you kind of scratch and look at what's actually in the facts, the highest ranking team that we've bet has been Slovakia, and they're 36th in the world. We've bet in the seven, in the seven game run, we've bet San Marino 6 0, Cyprus away 2 1, Kazakhstan at home 3 1, drew by Israel twice, and bet a Czech team away 2 1 in the Slovakia game. Um, we've not beaten a top 15 team since Gordon Strachan with Croatia away. was the last time. Um, now, I'm also hearing a lot of folks saying, oh, the, the, the formation's setting in and everything's kicking in. And I agree to an extent. However, I don't think they've came up against anybody. If by the end of next month... We're still in an unbeaten run. Hands up, I'll say, yep, we're doing great. We're doing fantastic because we've had difficult games to navigate and we've qualified. But I, I, I still think we're still all over the place. I mean, def- defensively, we were okay in both games. The first game against Cyprus, I mean, the highlight of the Cyprus, sorry, Cyprus, I'll say that. Israel, I always say Cyprus for Israel. I don't know why. Of course, you're going hard at Cyprus. I know, but I always say Cyprus instead of Israel. And um, the highlight of the Israel game for me was a group chat. Well, I, the, the group, the group yeah, chat. Yeah, our WhatsApp group chat. I mean, yeah. it, it sped the second half up. Um, but the first half of the Slovakia game felt exactly the same. So if we're all getting excited, because of a second half of one game out of the two, I think we need to rein in a wee bit and just kind of... It's a standard Scottish, though. We need to get excited about something. I mean, yeah. I would agree, seeing all your points you've made, I would completely agree with them. Um, I potentially have not come up against anyone of any note. However, previously, those types of games, banana skins, is types of games we would lose. Um, I, I've never expected that we're going to see pretty attractive football when you've seen Steve Clark's come on at teams 
that's not going to happen. I would all like to see Gray attacking football. If it was not our own team playing on Thursday or last night, the game would have turned off inevitably. There's no way I'd have been sitting through watching those games. However, there is possible wee glimpses of signs just more as we play, especially the fact that there's been a wee bit of um, problems with like players having to drop out and different things like that. I think previously that happened. I think the, the heads would have gone down a wee bit and stuff like that. I, I would say, again, players for the clubs perform better than what they do at the national level. I think there's still a, a, an almost slight fear, or we've spoke about it, I think maybe you mentioned it, Scott, there's almost a, a worry about having an expectation of the nation, like getting to an actual tournament, which has not happened for so long. And this whole divine right that we should be getting to tournaments, I think we need to sometimes... I don't, I don't think that we're not we're not better than all these teams. Where are we ranked in the world just now? No, and I agree with that. But in saying that, you would have thought we would have had at least a shot and goal against Israel at home. They'd never had a shot until I think seventy sixth minute or something like that. I think I took a note. But it was yeah, but, but, but if you think about this, this Israel away from home, you, you could expect something like that. Scotland at home should have. There should be something. Fan you aspect. know what I mean? There's no fans to drag on to in the last so, normal situation so, of a game, I think, last 20 minutes of the game. And another thing... Fans driving you on, I think. There is a problem and, with that. Another thing I was going to say as well is um, we've got all these players out. Now, these players are more than likely to come in. So the players that people are saying that have gelled in well are more than likely to come out of that team again. Because you'll have, probably have McKenna coming back in. Christy right. to come back in. Uh, who else have we got? Palmer to come back in. Cooper to come back in. Is that not a good thing? We've got options. Well, that's a good, yeah, that's a good thing on paper. However, if you're talking about a team gelling, that's uncertainty again because you're changing the starting eleven again. But the international <laughs> argument for no, that, no, I like I like your point, but the international argument for years has been you don't just play players because of who they are. You play players that are in form. And also, it might be that these players have played the last two matches. Are they now holders of the jersey? Because Steve Clark strikes me as someone that will be loyal to players if they do well. And it I might don't... potentially then be hard for players to get back in. No, I, th- I think he'll, he'll, he'll go back to right. his trust and tested. Can I jump what, in? Has he tried and tested? Yeah, McKenna. McKenna, Forrest down the right. I, I think he'll bring Forrest back. Uh, McKenna will come back. Um, his midfield will probably be... Uh, let me think now. McGinn will stay there. McGregor will come back. And if he's going to play two up front, Dykes and McBurney, it'll, it'll have to be Christie's part of a three. So it'll be Christie, McGinn and McGregor. No, he'll put, he'll put, put Christie back up front. What we have seen, though, in terms of this, these two matches is a wee evolution of the system because the last games we were playing more I think a kind of almost 3-6-1 3-4-3 whereas we've seen a kind of 3-5-2 so it gives us maybe more options I up top if we're not playing two up front would like to see Fraser and Christie in around the main striker which gives us a bit more creativity in behind the striker mm. but not I, playing not playing as wingers I just think people have just kind of seen the results and then Seen that we've been unbeaten seven, and 
jumped on that and oh, this is this is great. We've got a team going, blah blah blah. Because I'll tell you right now, if we could be in the next three away games and through the Czech Republic game, everybody would be calling for his head. Now I don't think he should go. I think he should stay. To be honest with you, no matter what happens with the next four games, uh, he needs time to build that squad. He can only work with what he's got. But if we could be in the next three, everybody and the man will be saying, that's it, get rid of him, he's had his chance, and we'll be back to where we were two months ago. There's another thing, though, as well. We've always said that we don't get much luck as Scotland. We've been quite fortunate recently. This is a good thing. Check the public, we got lucky in their whole situation. I think last night against Slovakia, I think they had nine players not playing that played their previous game. And I, I'm glad you agree with John. But that's a good thing. But how many players have been? How many players have been? We need that bit of luck. How many players were we missing though? On that same that same basis. But listen, let me let can I have a kind of counter argument to Tony's? I will give you the floor. Right. <laughs> so the standard standard of teams. That's the whole point of the Nations League situation is that you're playing teams that are roughly the same standard as you. So we won our first group. We are now leading our second group. If we win this group, we then go to League A, Group A. Yeah, that's the, a worry. So we will then step up against the top teams, right? But even if we then step up a couple of places for playoffs in terms of, say we're in a group with... England and Belgium, they both go to the World Cup. We then become into, like Israel have, into a group stage, into the playoff stage for the next World Cup. Yeah, so we could finish bottom of the group and still get to the final. Still get, yeah, yeah, still get to a final. Then we have to start building confidence up somewhere. We're not going to do that again, like as we, sh- as we saw with uh, Belgium and Russia early on in Steve Clark's um, Scotland career. You can't gain momentum straight away against these teams. You've got to build up and then start taking on these teams. This is why you know, I remember back in the mid to late 90s, we were all having a go at Craig Brown for the exact same stuff, but we were getting results. We were hard to beat, weren't pretty, but we were beating the teams that were running around us and doing half-decent jobs against teams that were above us. That's Scotland's level that's where we should be aiming for just now. But what's quite now, interesting though in the Craig Brown thing, see looking back and watching the tournaments that he got to, we actually played all right football. Yeah, he had as well rehearsed and we had very good players, I think, that were probably underrated for the time. Like your Stuart McCall's, your Gary McAllister's and John Collins in midfield. You know, you give your right arm for a midfield like that. But let's look at the, the attempt on goal that everybody talks about. We forget McTominay nearly had a free header they put wide. That for me is just as important as a straight a shot straight down the keeper's throat from forty yards. That's that's a, 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 a same kind of attempt, you know, in terms of yeah, it's not on target, but it was actually probably closer to being a goal than a forty yard dribbling shot that the keeper safely takes in his arms. That game was so highly pressured that neither team could break down the other. It was a game of chess because no team wanted to lose. No team went out to win, but no team wanted to lose. So I think that's the kind of point to that. But as I say, 
we got a wee bit more of a spring in our step because of that result. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to go and beat Serbia, but it does give us a foundation to be a bit more optimistic. Uh, so, and the players coming in and out, international should be based on form for both national team and club form. So, I think if Christie was to come back into this team, if um, Tierney was to come back into the team, McKenna was to come back in the team, then they'll, they'll have played well to earn that right. I don't think Clark will just go automatically with it. Um, some he might do, others I don't think he will. Um, so I, I can see why we're optimistic. I don't think we have to be over-optimistic. I don't think it's a certainty that we're going to the Euros, but now we're only one match away from it, and that's because of the results that we've built up. So we have to, we can only beat, essentially we can only beat who's been put in front of us, and we've managed to do that. So that should be a cause for celebration. And we've not got Norway, as so many thought was going to happen at Serbia, which will be a tough test, arguably a tougher test, not just for the fact they've got through, but I think Serbia have got more of a, a team ethic to them. Savage, <coughs> uh, Savage Milinkovic uh, is a really good midfielder at Lazio. You know, there's talk of him going to Manchester United before now for like 75, 80 million pounds. He's He can score goals, he can create, he can really dictate things in midfield. But Scotland, I always feel are worse off when they've got a world-class forward against them, especially without defence. And Serbia don't have that. Norway did, and that would have been probably the edge that Norway would have had in terms of us fearing who we were up against. Because, you know, you look at how Gareth Bale gutted us a few times. You look at, you know, the kind of star strikers just are on form and our defence just can't handle them. So, Serbia are a good team and very much start the favourites. But, you know, let's go with a wee bit of confidence. Let's hope that we can steal something because, as you say, our luck's never been that great. So, let's face the last it. 20 years. We can say right now, this minute, it's going to penalties. And we're all going to be arse knitting buttons. <laughs> Again. I I I don't even think I'll go to Paris. If, if I'm being honest, I, I just I, I just the, the way that we are playing at the minute. Unless Serbia maybe only have two chances in goal, then yeah, I worry. I worry. I worry about the defence. I worry about all aspects. I thought the defence was the best part of us. Our game, the last two games. How, how many clear chances did either Slovakia or Israel have? Yeah, but Slovakia were criticised in the last game for that as well. Like they, they were playing pretty football, like in the middle, but they had no firepower up front. No penetration in the fi- no penetration in the final third. In the end. Serbia lost yesterday at home to Hungary one 0 Hungary are an improving team, by the way. They are improving. Yeah, uh, we saw that with the. Uh, Celtic would the Champions League. And did they um, have a, a pretty decent result on the night away from home in Hungary, apart from that, did they not beat Bulgaria 3-1 was it? Yes, they did. The two home games before that, Serbia drew 0-0 with Turkey and 2-2 with Ukraine. 
So the last win that they had at home was November last year, and that was 3-2 against Luxembourg. Yeah. I, I would say Serbia are the better side. However, I would say Serbia are probably similar to us in terms of they'll, they'll be the type of team that's hard to beat and not that great going forward, which I don't want to say because it tempts fate, but I do the, think their home form is a bit that. aside. But if we can not, if you don't concede, which Clark has managed to do, and that positivity builds on, keep a clean sheet, you're always in my chance. Not pretty, but it can be effective. I don't care about pretty. No. But then I, I grew up a Rangers fan, so that's. <laughs> that's born in me. Just, yeah, the, just the, uh, the results. Yeah, we, we had pretty football as well to go one nothing. But what I would say is that it's it's not even just playing pretty, but having something. No, I mean, I said that, having something for the fans in the stadium to cost. Oh. <laughs> oh, what about the fans have paid like what, £45 a month for the subscription? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, what subscription are you paying? I don't know. I get Premier Sports, the whole wad. You know I, mean? I have to be fair. I, I, think, I, think, I think, Tony, the one point that you, you really nobody can argue with at all is we do not create enough. Even, even if we are trying to be uh, defensive minded and solid at the back, we should still be creating better chances from open play. Or at least some chances from open play. Um, I'll tell that... you, it's, it'll catch us out one, one of these times. It is going to catch us out because for me, our strongest point is our midfield. And you can't tell me that there's no one midfielder in there that can have a bit of creativity in the final third. I think our midfield has not got the right balance. And I also think our midfield, the most creative is probably Christy, who wasn't there. And we looked better when Fraser was there to for creativity, and that's why he, I would go with him or Christie or Forrest and in and around um, Dykes for the Serbia game. I think we need more creativity in midfield. Mm. Well, I, I, th- I think. And when I say midfield, right, I mean the three as opposed to Christie being further up because Christie, I think. Clark sees more of an attacker as opposed to a midfielder, in a way. So I to think me, when you're looking at midfield, you're looking at McGinn, Jack, McGregor, McLean, Fleck. Maybe McCrory gets chucked in there at some point. But Razor. I see him again as an attacker. Well, you can put him he's as not an attacker. Because he's going to play a midfield probably three in midfield. And then it's whether he plays a two up front or whatever he does. Or he does a one and one, like someone in behind. You, you, I think you, we lack that incisive pass in midfield. Something a bit different. He'll get in behind, but as you we said earlier, he's not going in behind a two up front. I think McGregor's got it in him. Jack's not going to do it. I think no, McGregor's got it in him, but it's too many times now for Celtic. He's been asked to do a different job, and then does this? You know, how many times do you then just play to? To what you've been told, rather than what you can do, um, and I think that sometimes you see that with McGregor, that he 
he has played so much now in a deeper position, in a different role for Celtic, that going forward is now not his strongest attribute because he doesn't get to do it enough. So we need to find maybe someone in there and long term, maybe not short term, but long term, maybe Billy Gilmer might be that guy that gets us going. More uh, of a defensive midfielder, although I'd have him. I th- he's aye, but he's maybe defensive, but he's more maybe a kind of defensive playmaker type. Yeah, deep line playmaker type player that yeah. quarterback style. He's the mm, one that yeah. keeps the ball moving and gets the transitions quicker. Which I don't think we have. McLean can sometimes do it. I like McLean, but I think at the moment it's probably other guys ahead of him in midfield. You could say that for most of the Scotland team. Mm. Um, Stephen O'Donnell, I thought played well against Slovakia. Yeah, I, th- I thought. Do you know what? I thought that they'd done all right for what they were up against. Um, I you can't single anybody out and say they had a bad game. You know, you, you can't you can't really do that. To be honest with the way you, you were talking, I thought that everybody was bad. I'm more, I'm more critical of the opposition that they were up against, and they were just not at the next level. I mean, I would agree. I don't think we, as we say, I don't think we played great, but hopefully the confidence is increasing amongst the squad in terms of getting results. And I, we might know, we might not beat Serbia, but we might beat them. If we beat next them, month, if next we month's games will be again to a tournament. It may be because of COVID. To, none of us, none of us will get to it. Let's face it; it's typically Scottish that we are going to get to, mm. to the the Euros no, twenty twenty that's played in twenty twenty one, and we're not going to be able to go. We can go. It'll be in Glasgow. I bet so we're no fans. We'll be standing outside. Standing outside, aye. <laughs> we, are, we are a bottle of Burger King juice. <laughs> a cup of Burger King juice. <laughs> Quality uh, restaurant. I bet they're still open. Quality restaurant? Aye. Burger King? I'd rather go out at Burger King. Oh, Burger King. I, I thought you were talking about a place near Hamden or something like that. Quality restaurant. I'm thinking, I know Ham, like the place that debits around Hamden quite well. I don't remember a place called Quality Restaurant. Oh, behave yourself. <laughs> you heard too that, much of that red wine. You know, I heard of that Chinese, that quality restaurant one. No. No, definitely not. No, I, but I think all points are valid in terms of positive. I think you need to temper the positivity with the negativity. Well, not negativity, you need, you need to temper everything. And that's where that, I, yeah. But I think sometimes as, as a nation, we, we do get excited, but then we also realise we're Scotland. Mm. And don't get too excited. But it's one game, one one game, one off game. But if you'd if you'd said that at the start of the Nations League, you'd uh, you'd have bitten your hand off for it. And as Scott says, we are looking pretty good for the the World Cup as well. And the Euros after that, because our Nations League form this time around helps us for the seeding for the qualifiers for the Euros. Nations League's our tournament. We're just going to qualify. Aye, that's, that is going to be the thing that, for us. League football, Nation, that, but that's how why it was brought in. How did you qualify Nations League? Nations League. <laughs> so they get rid of this. I see they know that it's actually not really working for anybody else. And it's just going to be a travesty again. It's another 30 years without anything. Am I right in saying, though, like, aside from us, that potentially um, Georgia or North Macedonia... Aye. I'm going to be in the Euros, <laughs> aren't they? Yeah. Something different. 
no, 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 no. We'll probably do well. We'll end up getting Georgia. I know a lot of people uh, like didn't like the Euros uh, last time with the the extra teams, but I quite like seeing these different teams in mm. the competition. I like seeing the different teams. You get more chance, yeah. more chance upsets as well. Yeah, it's Albania over there yeah. and stuff. I didn't. Yeah, uh, Wales. You know, that's, Scotland. That's one. Next one will be Scotland, eh? There's a new country on the block. <laughs> <laughs> what part of the Eastern Bloc were they in? It's strange because, like, obviously living down here, they absolutely hate it. <laughs> and the nations look down here to them, it's just a waste of time. Oh, it's like friendly, it's Yeah, and like, I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> you know, I'm tuning in, can't wait for the nations look. And they're like, oh, you're not watching that. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, I mean, a question I need to ask you, Tony, is mm-hmm. after last night, though, England at Simon about the Nations League will go through the roof. Oh, they won the, the best the team in the world. So nah. last night, England won the Euros. I know. What was the papers and the media like in England today? It's not too bad, actually, to be honest. I, th- I think because they, they don't really look at it as a big tournament. That being said, the big thing that there seemed to be uh, in most of the papers and the radio was um, Eric Dyer. Um, should he be playing for England or not? Because he gave away the penalty um, against Lukaku. I thought it was um, because they could potentially go down to 10 men because he might need to go to the toilet during the match. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one thing I would say about England, unfortunately, is I do think they do have potential to win a tournament sometime soon. Mm, the, the, one thing I would, the only thing I would say is I think, still think defensively they're pretty weak. I but think they're still. Of, I think I think they'd still bottle it. I listen. I, I like England getting to the semi-finals, but I just couldn't handle if they, if they won it. That's no. the that and, and they would say, oh, we'll, we'll this that next thing. But what people do not understand, right? When the rest of the world or even England, uh, the English fans. We get their media. Mm. We can't kind of switch out it. BBC and ITV don't give us a red button to press for neutral commentary. So if we watch Brazil versus Argentina, it's neutral. Don't take The commentators don't care. The mm. pundits don't care. The presenter doesn't care. Depends who's commentating, because as soon as you like, they'll be like, oh, and there's a... Uh... Giovanni Lo Celso that plays for Spurs. Well, yeah, so, so no. we'll come into that. But if you watch England, and this is this is fine, I don't mind. Clive Tilsley shouting about England, fine, he's English, but why do we need to hear it? And that's what people don't understand. It's, it, you know... Yeah, we, it's a British Broadcasting Corporation, not the English Broadcasting yeah, Corporation. Yeah, so, you know, if they were a bit more savvy, then give us a red button... We could turn off that, um, and at least for the ninety minutes, not hear about '66 and yeah. what happened and how they were so unlucky. The last World Cup and this, that, and the next thing, and how Harry Maguire's actually amazing and not absolute pish. In the jail in Greece. Um, did any <laughs> of you? He preferred to be in jail in Greece than he was against Tottenham. Did any of you catch the highlights of England Wales? And the commentary uh, after this, the talk after it, it was funny. You had Chris Coleman, Ali McCoist, and might have been Lee Dutton to so chatting away. 
and then they were talking about how, oh yeah, Gareth Bale's the most successful British player to play abroad, and Chris Coleman was quick to say, most successful Welsh player. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it is bad. It is, it's, 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 it's infuriating. Um, just little things, like um, if you ever watch Football Focus, mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I think we literally come after non-league, uh, English non-league, um, I'm not having a dig of women's football, but after women's football as well, you know, and then we we're right down there at the bottom. And the thing that annoys me about women's football in the BBC down here is they don't seem to equal it out. So I know you guys probably get more about the Scottish team, the Scottish women's team up there, maybe. Down here, nothing. Nothing ever mentioned really about the Scottish women's team. And then if you watch any of the games on the BBC women's highlight show, a lot of the, the top teams will get Scottish players in it. So it's not like the Scottish team is just like random nobodies who they've just pulled off the street. There is quality women Scottish players playing in the English top league. Yeah. But never get a mention. Never ever get a mention down here. The only, we say the, that though just in general. If you look on the BBC website, quite often it's hard to even find information about uh, Scottish football. But like even, the World League tournaments even start and stuff like that. The Scottish Cup doesn't start until big teams are in it, you wouldn't know like when the likes of Tao were playing and stuff like that unless there's a big shock and then the, 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 other thing terrible, say, the other thing I would say is up here we don't actually get a lot of English women's stuff maybe maybe when the World Cup hits or something like that but it's not as if we get crammed full of that kind of knowledge either so it, it, we will find out more about the Scottish women's game than we will the English women's game via our media However, it is on normal BBC One or BBC Two, the women's games. Whereas yeah, the Scottish, the Scottish women's games are like usually stuck on BBC Alba. Yeah. Mm. What's the chance of getting a Scottish Scotland women's game on BBC One or Two? Well, mm. I didn't. I, I would. I, I don't care if it's on BBC One or Two. I would prefer it to be actually on the BBC Scotland channel and for them actually to then fully embrace it um, and have a proper weekly show. Um, and that is surely what the BBC Scotland channel was all about. It was to, to show things that. I thought it was about the nine show. <laughs> it, it, from what I was told from somebody who was there commissioning shows, they want things that Scotland's not really been known for in the past. And the kind of highlights, um, it highlights. Occasions. It's a Scottish. Yeah, but it, it also it highlights the kind of minority kind of subject can you get more minority in football than women's football mm. in terms of televised coverage um, so it, it, there's no I, I would imagine there's no real money involved in actually getting the rights I don't think there'll be a lot of money involved so why not have it in BBC Scotland you know, I was thinking about this the other day actually. I was thinking do you know the NFL has probably got more coverage in the UK than Scottish football. Because you have uh, the NFL, and this is just norm- Sky and your, your normal channels, you'll have, um, I think there's two shows in the BBC, um, I think they do on a Saturday night and a Wednesday night. Um, Channel 5 have a show on a Saturday morning, I think it is. Sky have a, a whole channel devoted to it, plus they'll do three live games, and Channel 5 now do a live game on a Monday night. The problem is, 
we don't have St. Mirren versus St. Johnson at Wembley. <laughs> I hear what you're saying, right? I hear what you're saying. But if you're trying to tell me, that it, if, you, if you just looked at it in a Scotland basis, right, in Scotland only, right. if, if you're trying to tell me that there's more people in Scotland that watch NFL stuff than Scottish football, then that's a scandal. And I think that that's what we go back to. Well, it's a UK on. thing, though, isn't exactly it? But if you look at it just in a Scotland viewpoint, there is actually more coverage than probably what you're used to down south. So we get sports in... Now we get it twice a week. Would you still get sports? Aye, does, oh, yeah, sports does yeah. the Saturday show at quarter past seven just now. Yeah, and then Sunday, Sunday show... The BT Sport have still got their the Friday build-up, yeah, football extra. We've got Hill Sky are getting a bit better. Sky, yep, Sky have improved. Got... My so only we... gripe I've got with them is still every game pretty much has got an ex-Rangers or Celtic player, mm. even when their clubs are not included. Like, is there not a chance to? Well, as, a bit as long as it's Alan McCoy, they've not really got an issue. Um... See, I'm a Michael Stewart guy, and he's never played with Celtic, but he's my favourite. Co-commentator, I'm 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 a big fan. Hey, Michael Shaw. Darren Fletcher's the best. Yeah, Darren Fletcher's really good. Um, Thing he's good in BBC. Um, Chris and Maluma. I yes. like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think he's, he's pretty good as well, actually. Yeah. We've also got um, the Terrace coming back, which is a great kind of broad Scottish football show. Um, I think online BBC have done better. Um, with the Women's stuff. game remembers getting shown on. The website, at least. The website, yep. It's good. BBC's got on website, not, not the actual channel, which I don't know why don't they can't know. put on the channel no. as well, but it's probably... Um, BBC Alba have got games, so I think we are getting better, at least for Scott, for people in Scotland to view content. Um, it's just, yeah, we'll never, we'll never be close to being equal with anything... English based, even the the championship will get more. It, it, it's it, unless everybody in Scotland just cancels their uh, Sky contract, then it will it'll be it'll be that way. And to be it fair, would make, it still would make a difference. It would make a difference because there's lots of money involved with Sky in Scotland, but at the same time, you know, my my wife's not going to make a stand if she doesn't watch football. She's not going to make a, a stand not to watch the channels that she wants to watch. But up and down the country, not everybody who buys a Sky package in Scotland wants to watch Scottish football or cares enough to make that stand. So that's the that's the main problem. Here's a question for you both. How many games of football on average a week would you say you watch on the TV? Like full 90-minute games? Yep. At the moment... So, I will watch the Scottish game, whatever that is, on Sky. And then, if there's two, then I'll watch both of them. And then, obviously, depending on work, if I'm off the weekend, at the moment, another three or four games in England. Just because I've got it staggered out so much. And I should point out at this moment in time, my wife's an ICU nurse who works 12-hour uh, shifts, so it's... So you've got the freedom of the telly, basically. So if I've, got, if I've got the freedom of the telly, then yes, I'll be watching that amount of football. So. Watch non-UK games? 
over there just be Scottish or English? Not as, not as many. I love Italian football, but I'm not paying Premier Sports. I think I've got yeah. that. So I've, I've, I watched that. Um, Italian football is really good. Same with French football for showing good highlights on uh, YouTube. So I, I kind of catch stuff on YouTube. Tony? Uh, full games. Obviously, if it's a Celtic game or if it's a Scotland game, um, banking then. I mean, I'll, they're banked there and I'll watch them. Um, after that, it needs to be like a big game, really. Uh, you know, like I'll watch say, like Arsenal Chelsea or maybe something like that, you know. Uh, or a big European game, I, I may sit and watch it. But I probably, if I'm being honest, I skip through a lot of games. Like on a Saturday, um, I'll maybe watch bits of one game here and trick over, see another game, watch another bit there, then, you know, just kind of mix about. So probably with me, if we're talking about full games in a week, maybe three, four at a push. Nice. So it's whether the appetite's there, I suppose, as well, in terms of watching all these games. But that, that's, that's it. I think but at least have the option, I suppose, is the other you argument. Do, you do feel that there's a bit of overkill sometimes. And I, I can't believe I'm saying that because I remember when we first got Sky back in the day and I was so excited to get like Eurosport because you used to have Euro goals. Were you, you single know? at that point? No. Ah, it was like 16, 17. Right, so <laughs> I, I, I used to watch every sport that was going. Uh, I think I'd even watch Kabaddi on Channel 4. Kabaddi. But the, Scot- the, the good thing actually about Scottish football is that it's not dependent on TV in the same way that the English game is. Because if Sky suddenly pull the plug on, even if it's just the championship, then, you know, these teams will go to the wall. Whereas the greater good of Scottish football teams isn't actually really dependent on TV money. And it's all about fans going to the game. It's fans going to the game, which obviously is a travesty at the moment. Uh, but in that aspect, it's lots about community and people really digging deep into their pockets, buying merchandise, getting pies and bovros and all the kind of traditional stuff. And that could be long term a greater benefit to Scottish football than having sucking the teeth of a TV company. So, nope. so, there's a title for this week. Uh, Tony, what was the, the general consensus down south about the whole pay per view situation in the, the Premier League down south? Seen a wee bit of it. What was it 15 yeah. odd per games when they're raking the money in? Aye, I don't think it's went down really well, to be honest with you. I mean, I, th- I think there's a bit of a, a north south divide on this, to be honest with you, because you, can, you read some things on social media and in maybe the newspapers, and you find a lot of people down south tend to be a wee bit well that's what you need to pay that's what you have you know and that's what you need to do whereas loads of money yeah whereas <laughs> up here i think they just feel like again more and more fully out to the game to be honest with you because 
I, I was speaking to my next door neighbour who's a big Liverpool fan, and he was saying, like, for them, if they were to get a ticker um, for, like, a, a friendly at Anfield, uh, him to take his two kids and one of his kids' mates, it's over, like, what should I say, 140, 150 quid for tickets for a friendly. And, and they were saying, like, tickets are all sold out, you know what I mean? Um, last season, um, when the season started, they were sold out up until Christmas. You know what I mean? Um, for games at Anfield, they were, you just couldn't get tickets. Uh, it's, uh, it's, they, they made that, they built a new stand at Liverpool as well. And the stand they built is basically for all your rich folk. It's going to be all the ones where you'll have your meals and all catering oh, and all that kind of thing. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's gone mad down here. It really is. It's, one of the clubs, I will say, who do not too bad price-wise, um, and it's a weird thing to say, um, prior to COVID, obviously, I'm talking about here, was Manchester City. They yeah, used to do, I've, they I've used been to, to a Man City game, and I was surprised at how the club was, and it yeah, filled our stadium. Yeah, I, I mean, I know they, they've had, obviously, the, the issues with UEFA and the Champions League, um, and because of that, they've selling tickets for Champions League games, like 15 quid. You know what I mean? Just to get folk to go and all that kind of thing, which if you want to take a kid and you wanted to like just go to a game, because I was thinking about it a couple of times about, oh, I might just go and travel through Manchester and watch them. Um, is that because they're traditionally not one of the huge clubs down there, though? Is that the... Well, they used to always say down here that the real Man City fans came from Manchester and the Man United fans came from outside Manchester. Um, I, I I think a lot of the traditional Man City fans were kind of forced out in a way in the sense that they couldn't afford to go week in, week out. Um, and obviously, they've had this kind of boycott with UEFA as well in certain games. So they've just done those things to try and get cheap tickets. It's the only place I've been for a, a, a game uh, down south. And the actual March Day experience was... Terrific. You had like the Sky Sports skins outside the ground. So before mm. the game, folk could be watching that and seeing what's going on. They could watch the game that was on prior to it, see the results coming in, whatever it was. You could have a wee drink. There were three bars outside the ground. You could have wee drinks and all that type of thing. Even once you get in, you could have a wee drink at half time. Yeah. All that type of thing. The actual full March day experience. To be fair to the, the owners um, of Man City as well, um, in the terms of community, they have totally spent a huge amount of money bringing that mm. side of the city back up. Um, and they've made it, you know, the, the women's stadium is right beside the men's, they all train at the same kind of places, everything's all in that kind of one area. You've got shops, uh, hotels and stuff. And that's kind of opened up that side of the city to a lot of people. So, if you uh, still want to experience like old style football experience, obviously, when the fans and everything come back, I think it's probably the best as ever. Goodison, Goodison's quite still an old style setup, very similar to going to a Scottish game. You know, there's you, you go to the ground, you park, you park a wee bit away from the stadium. You've got a few pubs to get into the ground, and then the ground itself is quite an old ground. Um, but 
it's a great atmosphere. I mean, is that you inviting us? Is that you inviting us? Aye, aye, you're always more than what? welcome, my friend. That's a sort of and is that is that you liking Goodison because it's basically a rip off of Ibrox? Of course. <laughs> um, Evans always been my kind of English team, to be honest. Yeah, good though, in terms of close to Ang- the fans are right on top of the players yeah they've always been back in an English team as well and everybody says oh it's because you supported Rangers and you did at that time you know Duncan Ferguson was going uh, Morris Johnson was there Ian Durant went on loan and all Walter Smith and all that uh, but I Paul Ryder. Paul Ryder, yeah Alec Cleland Gary and Boland obviously, obviously Trevor Stephen Gary Stevens came up Sugar Cole mm. came up but it was actually um because I like the badge, you know, the turret. Oh, yeah. And they, call, they were called the Toffees. And as a wee kid, I thought, well, that's the team for me. Um, so that was more than anything else. So and, uh, at the moment, I enjoy watching them because uh, Calvert-Lewin's fantastic. Ancelotti's got them playing well. So but I know this is a Scottish football yeah, forum, but... so it should maybe. <laughs> oh, it was just interesting, though, in terms of getting different takes. I like to bring in different things and... The likes are like the appetite for watching live football is it there as much because mm. you get so many folk watching streams now as opposed to paying their yeah. subscriptions and all that type of thing um so i just for interest unfortunately quite often we got into the soviet england because tony you've got the unfortunate situation <laughs> of living so what do you think <laughs> so quickly what do you guys think the tendencies will be like in scottish football once we open stadiums up again. Do you think we're going to see a, a greater a couple of attendances? Long term ones. Everyone's allowed back. Everybody's allowed back. Aye, I, th- I think it'll be high. We might, see... I think folk will maybe lose their appetite. Do you think? So let's let's look at the the first week back, right? The first two weeks back, because then everybody's had a kind of home game. Let's say. Do you think we'll see a couple of records being broken in terms of the last decade? I think if the clubs are savvy and use the marketing correctly, then I, I think they'll do well. It's, you have to think of it as a business opportunity to get people back into the grounds, whether it's discounted tickets, free whether vaccine. you get a free tea. <laughs> you get tested before you get in. Um, free T-shirts. Um, I don't know. You get something for going to the game. You know what I mean? You never know. Summer football maybe back in the calendar. Um, so you know. I mean, it's the season of the weather we had. As, as long. As, but 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 you know what I'm saying though. Yeah, this yeah. is the kind of thing Aye. we need to look at because yeah. you, you all have people that'll be like. Oh, as you say, John, maybe I don't want to go back. Maybe I, I, I can't be bothered or it's costing me too much money. Well, that would be something. a thing. It would depend on what the situation is with the economy at that time. I incentives. There's no signs of the economy improving in the moment. Get family tickets. Get that Definitely. Done. But then clubs have tried that. I think because it's St. Johnston tried a thing that was one adult, two kids for £15. Well, you know what but you need to do in, in that scenario? Tried, uh, the... you, you need to go back into the schools again. And really push out with the skills. I remember when I used to be in primary school, we used to always, once a year, maybe twice a year, get some Marin come down and we'd give the primary six, primary seven, primary five free tickets to go to a home game. 
Poor kids. He, 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 was he, it free tickets as long as you had an adult? Are you paying? No, no. What was it? You never used to have an adult. I remember going. I was in primary six to St Johnston game. Primary six in yourself at a football. <laughs> what? Hard Basically, you bought you. Well, I bought a mad dog. I tell you what. No, happened. Burger King just. <laughs> After a hard day down in the mine, you know. I mean, <laughs> I primary six. I, I, I always remember that. Um, no, I, 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 I do agree. Bank. Could get the club should be doing more in yeah. terms of getting the, the future generation fans in, but that's it, not going to get the money. I think people I'll get the money when they're buying stuff inside the ground. On term. <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, I've always said, I've always said Scottish football teams do not understand, a lot of them anyway, I've looked at over the same brush, a lot of them do not understand that the whole matchday experience has to be so much better. It's not mm-hmm. just about, and I don't know why they kind of think it's all about the football, because the football is dire a lot of the time anyway. So you have to, you have to keep to play fans afterwards, like have um, live podcasts after a game, Q and A's with legends, have um, dinner prices that people are going to say, "Right, well, I'll stay for my dinner." Of a couple of drinks after the game at the at the stadium, do things a, like that. A drinking dens at the, the the stadiums would help. So you know, just have just have things that are then having people staying back or getting there early, having some outdoor market happening or um, kids' clubs and stuff like that. Just find out ways of, you know, meet and greet with the players. Why do you know what? they not do that the first thing in the morning? Not even just that. Half-time entertainment. Half-time entertainment in Scottish football is horrendous. Watching your third-choice goalkeeper trying to hit a crossbar for the halfway line. That, that's basically what you're doing. It's pretty it's, I mean, try and get something where you're interacting with the fans. Get local um, bands playing. Get Rod Stewart on the park, the Celtic Park. I like Rod Stewart, but I don't know about that, to be honest with you. I don't know if he's like live. I mean, I don't, I don't know. And some Tina Turner impersonator at I remember that. that was, now, that was entertaining. Like that could be Rod Stewart with his hair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, could, he could do both gigs. Um, we, could get, we could get Ian from the Tartan Army magazine. <laughs> you just get a bit of the Rod Stewart about him. You're you're, you're wanting him back on next month, haven't you? We're going about calling Rod Stewart. That's all right. No, we've we've said it. We've said it to him before, <laughs> face to face. I think he's there. But you know, you're saying I I was a season ticket at Celtic that season, the Hamden year, and the halftime entertainment was probably the weirdest halftime entertainment I think I've ever seen at Celtic in all the years that I watched them. Um, there was one week we had Frank Bruno done the windfall draw. He spoke. He had, he had a pink tracksuit. Um, we had a guy dressed up in the opening game against Dundee United as Elvis, and he sang about the green, green grass at home. Um, not, are you sure it's not Tom Jones? No, it was Elvis. That's why I always remember he sang the green, green grass at home. Is it Ingo, Ingo yeah. Humper, I think, was it? I mean, he looks like Elvis. Yeah, um, I think he's... The thing is, you can predict half-time entertainment to almost every ground. Uh, half-time... Raffle draw, comes on, says something. That's a yeah. Maybe cheerleaders. But America do that, the cheerleader thing, mm. basketball, NFL, whatever. Something more inventive, interesting. I went, to an, I went to an NFL game in Wembley. Um, it's, just, it's just day and night. Oh, it's, I mean, you have 
the, the big screen's telling fans when to clap. You get free flags when you go into the stadium, and granted, flags could be a controversial thing in Scottish football. But in general, you know, I mean, there's a lot of crowd participation. Like, I mean, when we went... The I'll give a, Come on, beat the goalie. I'll, I'll give you a great example. You can, win, you can win two tickets to the cup final. So, when we went to the NFL game, we um, got our tickets, and when we arrived, um, you had to be scanned. And when they get scanned, the wee woman, or the girl said, oh, you've been upgraded for your charge. Here's your new seats. Now, when was the last time you ever went to a Scottish football game? And I know a lot of you got Scottish football season tickets. But say you go to a Scotland game. When was the last time you went to a Scotland game? And they said, ah, i tell you what, there's plenty of seats in the post seats. On you go. I only, used to, I only used to go to Scotland games when it was capacity crowds. I've not been for a few years when it's been the, the struggles. The bet, but I do remember um, the Netherlands playoff home tie the only tickets we could end up getting, and it was courtesy of my friend's mum and dad, I think, queuing up for tickets at Morrison's for us, and we get the heated seats, with a treat, uh-huh. going up the escalator to the game and all sorts of things, and if you wanted to and you were, you had a wee bit of dare about you, you could have, like, snuck in a wee room whereby, like, they get a wee few legends or Craig Brown there or something like that, but you'd have probably yeah. get huckled out the ground. <laughs> The but there's so much that can be done that yeah. just it just doesn't you know it doesn't make sense why it just nothing happens nothing really changes it's a shame yeah so is there anything else you want to discuss before we wrap up in Scottish football that has occurred in the last week or is to come there was one interesting story I saw which was Lauren Robert's son has signed for Airdrie I thought he'd already signed for Is that not? I bet we've not spoken about it. Oh, but was that not like months ago? I don't know if it's months ago, but certainly he's there. Aye, that was months ago. It's just because his season's starting. I missed it. I never, see, I never noticed him. He, he, did he play for? He played for one of the top team kind of youth teams. Did they not? Because um, there was one, there was one. Yeah, played him earlier, but has he not just recently signed for Airdrie? Yeah, so he's he signed in the summer season. because they made a big giant hullabaloo about it on social media, um, and they had that one clip where he kind of did took it around somebody. Um, was he not training with someone else before that? I seem to remember him being at a game. He signed and, in uh, July. Sorry, so it's like he signed for that season then. Yes, he said. Why he would sign for Airdrie, he says to get game time, but if you're good or of a certain standard, then you would be going elsewhere, really, wouldn't you? What are you dissing Airdrie for? Maybe he sees it as a stepping stone to. (laughs) Yeah, well, even, even if that was true, would you not? go somewhere a bit higher up than Airdrie if you were even stepping stone to, if you were good enough. And what is it with Scottish teams desperately picking up all these players that are liked in terms of family links to other players? Like we've got Seagoloff, Jokaev, Hadji, Hadji, Lovenkrantz, Tommy Lovenkrantz signed me. Yeah, I remember Tommy Lovenkrantz played for St. Johnston, he was Peter's oh, brother. 
Aye. You know, we've always had this. So it's... You know, I'm still waiting for us to like get some benefit of some foreign players having children that are great footballers and playing for Scotland. Mm. I'm trying to think of who is it was. I don't think. Oh, yeah, here's a question. If either of you know it, then kudos to you. Has there been a time before when we've had two sets of rows in an international squad? Or in an international squad for a game? For a game? The and the McGinn's. Oh, two sets of brothers, yeah. yeah. I, I would say well, that would probably be... And a set of brothers, even better. I would say that must be a first. What about the McAdams? There was the Tom McAdam that played with Celtic and the other Tom one. McAdam. Yeah, and Rangers. Yeah. Is it Mark McAdam or something? Tom, I don't know. Well, but interesting. Anyway, if anyone, any of our listeners know, maybe back in the day when football was like first going, maybe it might have happened. Well, the Aberdeen, Aberdeen ruined the Bet Brothers, didn't they? So they never came to much. Or Jim Betts, so they would have played uh, for Iceland, but. Yeah, that's right. But that's because we're really good enough for us. Paul and Raymond. Paul and Raymond McStay. For the Celtic. I don't remember McStay. Was it not Paul and McStay? Well, there was Willie. There was Raymond as well. There was three of them. Yeah, there was three of them. I don't remember Raymond playing for Celtic. Aye, Raymond was quite late on, to be honest with you. We we also had Pierce O'Leary. David O'Leary's brother. Used to play with us at half in the 80s. So, that probably wraps up the podcast then. And (laughs) we said earlier, the lower leagues start at the weekend. So, good luck to the team starting off. And we have got the return of the the Premiership. And we already spoke about Celtic Rangers game. So, we don't need any more about that. Just Mm. now. I'll be chocolate button time. Chocolate button time? Aye. What's yeah, chocolate button time? Chocolate it's button. ass. Aye. <laughs> no, it's, it's, like my, my it's, a, it's a family friendly podcast. Like my knitting buttons coming earlier. <laughs> Alright, then we'll just call them chocolate buttons. Right, so is that the, the title of the podcast? Tony's chocolate buttons. <laughs> okay, someone else say that. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Last week I got abuse for Burger King and now I'm getting a chocolate buns. Well, yeah. oh. oh dear. Right, cheers again, guys, and hopefully we'll speak to you next week. See you later. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, Ravens. Bye. <laughs>